0: Hello friends and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you enjoyed this episode and want to stay tuned for the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app subscribing is free and make sure you never miss another episode tonight's episode is brought to you by locker room download the locker room app from the ios app store and find one of our locked on rooms locker room changing the way we talk sports On tonight's episode, it is time to dig into Winnipeg versus Toronto, Winnipeg's first home game in some time. The Jets have had a very long road trip, a couple of home games in between, but for the most part, Winnipeg was basically abroad in many other Canadian provinces doing whatever it is the Jets do. After doing a nice 2-1 series win over the Calgary Flames over the past couple of of, uh, days, I, I felt like the Jets maybe had some momentum coming into this game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, here's the thing. When it comes to the North Division, I tend to be of the opinion that, for the most part, most of the teams in this division aren't that great, and so it's really hard to get a barometer check on where Winnipeg kind of stacks up, because with so few legitimate contenders in this division, I think it's hard to get a sense of whether or not the Jets are actually decent, or if they're just as bad as the rest. I tend to be in the camp that I think Winnipeg has the potential to be much better than a lot of these teams, but by the same token, with the current defensive and offensive systems that they use, as well as the really bad blue line roster, and I I just don't really see much of an opportunity here for Winnipeg to actually improve without starting to seek some, some assistance from elsewhere. The Maple Leafs were a really good challenge for this assumption, and certainly an opportunity to see if, in fact, the Jets were were capable of uh, producing better results, or if my suspicions about this team were actually correct. And unfortunately, in the first period, the Jets kind of did the bad stuff. Um, You know, Winnipeg basically looked like they were not really prepared for this game. They came out looking very slow, and immediately, you know, the Leafs had more offensive zone possession, they had a cycle game going, they were getting Winnipeg on some counters. Not super dangerous stuff at first, I, I think Toronto wasn't really getting to the slot, especially over the first couple of shots on goal, but of course you could tell, eventually the Jets were going to concede something really stupid. The thing about the Leafs is that, despite not having like the high-end foot speed and counter ability of a team like, say, you know, Vegas or Colorado, Toronto's in-zone passing is excellent. It's one of the best in the league. And so their ability to draw your defenders into really bad positions before they hit you with a rapid cross seam pass and, you know, basically do nice backdoor plays definitely makes them a team that strikes me as kryptonite for the Jets because, let's be honest, Winnipeg's defensive structure is not really equipped to handle a lot of chaos and a lot of movement. That ended up coming true in just a few minutes early into the first period when Austin Matthews deposited a a loose puck after Derek Forbort had gotten taken out by Pierre-Luc Dubois. There was a turnover at Winnipeg's blue line, and then PLD ended up trying to cut across the the slot and take somebody out. I don't know if he was targeting Hyman or Matthews or somebody else, but he completely missed the body check, ended up taking foreboard out, and foreboard actually had to go down the tunnel for a few minutes because he was feeling some significant injuries, ended up returning, but of course the Jets were without his services for, I don't know, 15-20 minutes. And in the ensuing chaos of Forbort basically flopping around on the ice while the Jets' defenders struggled to really corral the puck or do anything, you know, Austin Matthews potted the goal past Hellebuck, who really couldn't do anything. I mean, his his skaters didn't really clear the crease, and there was a complete open opportunity for Matthews to take advantage of the chaos and score. Even if, you know, uh, Forbort had been on his feet, I'm not really sure if it would have made that much of a difference, because Forbort recently hasn't been great at clearing the crease And it's just one of the situations where this sort of puck movement really screws with how the Jets like to defend. And I I just sense that the Jets were in trouble. This was a period in which Winnipeg was definitely getting outchanced, they were getting badly outshot, and you got the sense a goal against was coming. And then, you know, a few minutes later, Zach Hyman scores his 12th goal of the season, another bad defensive breakdown... Hyman was, I think, basically pushed into, uh, you know, Connor Hellebuck by Tucker Pullman, and he didn't really interfere with the play, but the puck ended up getting shoveled in while everyone was kind of sprawled out in the crease. So, uh, you know, it's one of the situations where I didn't think it was interference at all. It seemed like a legal goal to me. And then, you know, Paul Maurice challenges it and gives Toronto like its second or third power play of the period because obviously the Jets lost the challenge. It's just one of those situations where I feel like the Jets are not really equipped to handle the way Toronto plays. There are games where the Jets have been very good against the Maple Leafs, and those games are are unfortunately few and far between. The Jets generally struggle against this team, and it's not super shocking. I think we all sort of expect this to happen. What I was kind of hoping for was more of a response from the team but despite being two goals down, the Jets just didn't really seem to wake up at all. You know, they were very sluggish, they struggled to make any sort of zone clearances, and when they finally had the puck, any sort of offensive rushes that they created ended up fizzling out into nothing. Winnipeg just wasn't very good, and it was clear from puck drop that the Jets were a step behind. I I know that they'll use the excuse of having a very long road trip, but at the end of the day, it's their job. You can't continually use this excuse as some sort of, uh, as somebody on Twitter said, like a self-fulfilling prophecy, you know. The Jets have to do better, and a lot of the coaching decisions that the Jets have kind of gotten away with so far ended up getting punished very rudely. The decision to give Morrissey-Pullman top-pairing status definitely wasn't going particularly well. The forward lines that got deployed, they ended up using, like, the third line and the first line first, rather than running out Shifley, Ehlers, and Connor instead, which I, I would have used that line against the Matthews unit. Of course, that ended up seeing a goal against later, but, you know, that's beside the point. If you're going to match up against speed, I I feel like you need to have really fast guys on the ice. And Winnipeg doesn't really have many speedy lines. Based on the previous game, I probably would have used the Shifley line, you know, right off the bat. Really, matchup speed against speed. Don't look for that third-line matchup against the Shifley line. Just feed Ehlers minutes. I think that's the guy who's supposed to be a real catalyst, somebody who can transition up and down the ice and create offense, and let him worry about winning those matchups. You don't have to play him in specific roles against some of these teams. That said, it didn't really happen, and uh, of course, Winnipeg spent many minutes trying to clear its own zone, and it was just, I don't know, it was just a very lackluster first period. I was kind of hoping that the second period and beyond we'd see more of a pushback, and we kind of did, but it's probably a little bit more nuanced than that. Before we dive into the subsequent periods, I thought you'd love to hear a little bit about why the Locker Room app needs to be installed on your iOS phone right now. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, insiders, and more in real time about your favorite team or sport. It's the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on locker room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, discussions, news reactions, and so much more. You'll find many of our Locked On podcast hosts across the NBA, MLB, and NHL rooms. I'll be joining the app myself very soon, so be sure to get started and I'll meet you there. Go download the free Locker Room app right now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NHL group for the latest league updates. I know you'll find a ton of incredible rooms around for your favorite teams and leagues. I can't wait to join you all on the app, so be sure to get ready, and I'll let you know once the Locked On Jets room is live. Download the Locker Room app today and take part in the conversations that matter to you. Locker Room. Changing the way we talk sports. For those of you who are longtime listeners of this podcast, by now you know that I'm personally a huge fan of Bilt Bars. If you've never had a Bilt Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar on the market. Bilt Bars are amazingly good for you. They're high fiber, high in protein, low in calories, and low in sugar. But most importantly, they taste fantastic. For as many great flavors of Bilt Bar as there are, and believe me, there are tons that you can choose from, you might wonder if there can only be one truly greatest flavor of them all. Well, now's your time to shine with Bilt Bar Madness, the tastiest bracket challenge in all of March. It's your turn to voice your opinion on which Bilt Bar flavor reigns supreme. Today's flavor challenge is between Coconut Brownie Chunk and Mint Brownie. You can cast your vote at BiltBar.com pages brackets and get your voice heard. I have to say that personally, I would lean towards coconut brownie chunk. I'm definitely a fan of all the brownie flavors, but if you want to vote for mint brownie, I certainly won't judge you. It's one of the better starter flavors that you can have. Either way, cast your vote again at BiltBar.com pages brackets, and be sure to check back every day to see which flavor has won out. Be sure to grab yourself some Bilt Bars while you're at it, and use promo code LOCKED15 at checkout to receive 15% off your next order. Welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are recapping Winnipeg versus Toronto in a game in which the Jets fell behind 2 0 very early. And now you might be wondering well, despite a really crap start in the first period, could Winnipeg climb back out of the hole they created and win once again like they have so many times before? You're going to find out, but before we go any further, I wanted to tell you about why Locked on Today needs to be in your daily podcast rotation. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked on Today podcast. Host Peter Burkowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locknet today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite shows. And now on to the subject of the second period in which the Jets were you know technically better than the first period, but I feel like that's a pretty low bar to clear. Generally speaking, the Jets created more chances off the rush, and certainly their offensive zone possession looked a little bit better. Defensively speaking, I don't know that you can say that much about this frame just because, for the most part, the Jets really weren't being pressured by Toronto. I think the Leafs were pretty content with their lead, and Toronto just didn't have to do a whole lot. You know, the Jets weren't really creating all that many great scoring chances. There were some tip deflections and things and a couple of decent slot shots, but for the most part, the Jets really weren't getting that much down the central areas. Jack Campbell was in net and certainly didn't seem to be all that troubled by Winnipeg's scoring chances, so for the most part, I feel like this was an okay second period if the Jets were in a tied situation. Given that Winnipeg was in a two-goal hole, though, I was kind of disappointed to not see the kind of pushback that I was hoping for. To make matters even worse, the power plays that the Jets got, they didn't really do that much with, um, and in fact, they ended up conceding a shorthanded goal to Alex Kerfoot after Morrissey got caught at the blue line trying to make his own keep. And Kerfoot just completely burned him. You know, it's one of those situations where, like, the first attempt to, to keep the blue line was okay. Um, Actually, Morrissey made a really nice play, brought the puck down, and then he got pressured again and tried to keep the puck a second time, and it actually bounced off him and went through the neutral zone. This is one of those situations where I really think you have to pull Morrissey off that power play unit because he's just not really effective. He has a lot of these situations where because he's not super fast and because he tends to handle the puck like a grenade, he's actually been responsible for a lot of shorthanded opportunities against. I think the Jets have actually gotten very fortunate that when one of these chances emerges, they haven't been punished. But for once, you know, Hellebuck wasn't invincible and he had already surrendered a couple of goals tonight and he didn't didn't really have much of a chance on this one. And so I just don't understand why Neil Pionk, who was given the, the top power play billing last year, wasn't given that same opportunity this year. I feel like Pionk, despite his flaws, is certainly a better top power play guy than Morrissey is. To be honest, I'd even put Logan Stanley there before I would use Morrissey. It's just one of the situations where Josh is really bad at the blue line. He's not really a a big shooter, because while he does try to take a lot of point shots, it's not a particularly strong release, and it's not something that he's going to get many opportunities from distance. You know, he's the the kind of guy who sort of drops between the hash marks or around the faceoff circle, and that's where he would actually score from. Now that he's like a primarily point player, a lot of that success has kind of gone away, and I feel like his power play value... It's just not really there. I'm not really enjoying what he's doing up top. Stanley, for all of his flaws, can at least shoot pretty hard. Um, It's not one of those things that I I would recommend him doing a lot just because his accuracy is, at times, a little bit questionable. But when he activates inside the offensive zone, you know, Logan's kind of a skilled skater on the puck. We've seen him do some really nice things around the faceoff circle or around the walls, and I feel like if you let him do that sort of stuff on the power play, he'll probably be more beneficial than Morrissey at least. I'm sure Morrissey was definitely pissed at himself, and he did slightly atone for it by scoring a power play goal just a few seconds after the shorthanded one, but by that point it kind of felt a little too late, you know? The Jets had a chance to cut the lead down to just one goal for the Leafs, and I feel like if you had a one-goal deficit into the latter stages of the second period or even the third period, you could actually live with that. It's something you can work with. Maybe not an ideal situation, but not rock bottom, you know? Not really managing to make any progress cutting into that lead, you know, essentially feels like a bit of a wasted opportunity. You know, the power play that they conceded the shorthanded goal on was a double minor. Paul Stastny did not have teeth whacked out of his mouth to watch the Jets really struggle to do much of anything, right? He, He wanted to see the Jets score. So all in all, just not super impressed. Um, I I feel like this period was not terrible by any stretch of the imagination, but not good. Uh, And Blake Wheeler going down in the intermission period, possibly due to a groin strain, just made things a little bit more haywire. You know, Maurice was running all sorts of line combos throughout the second period. And some of them were sensible, like pairing Pierre-Luc Dubois with Matthew Perot was very good. I I don't mind that at all. Uh, You know, unfortunately, Dubois was kind of crap tonight, so don't know that it made that much of a difference, but hey, at least we see some good usage of skill, especially from guys in the bottom six who should probably be playing elevated roles. In fairness to Dubois, he wasn't the only guy who was struggling out there. You know, Nikolai Ehlers, who's been very good for almost this entire season, really the MVP of this team. He had a couple of moments tonight where I don't think he was quite as good as he should be. Sometimes he didn't really pressure a puck carrier when he had an opportunity to create a turnover or he was looking for a route that wasn't really there. Just some, you know, detail stuff that I feel like he had an opportunity to extend a play, but I'm not going to really bust his balls that much. He's been such a dominant force for this team. The other guys on the squad do have to kind of step up. You know, Kyle Connor missed a lot of goal-scoring opportunities. Some of them were deflected away. Some of them were tough shots. Either way, though, it's what he's being paid to do. Shifley was just kind of okay. It's just one of those games where I felt really blah about it, you know? Uh, And and I think the question was, with a two-goal deficit heading into the final period, would the Jets reverse the fortunes and make themselves another nice win? You can probably guess the answer, but I won't spoil it before you hear about the greatness of BetOnline.ag. When it comes to the wild, wacky, and wonderful world of online betting, it's hard to know names you can trust. You need a really reliable source that's safe and convenient. That's why you should look no further than betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, NHL, international soccer, and so many other sports are all in full swing. Not into sports? No problem. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, featuring real-time, updated odds, and props on almost anything you can imagine. Whether you want to place a bet on the next Stanley Cup champion, or who you think might be the next person to get the axe on your favorite reality TV show, BetOnline also has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds you need, so you'll always make the most informed bets possible. It really is the best way to do all your online betting. And getting started is super easy. Just go to BetOnline.ag on your desktop or your mobile device, and when you register for a very free account, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Stop sitting on the sidelines and get in on the action today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are recapping our thoughts on Winnipeg versus Toronto, which for me was a very disappointing game. You know, after the first couple of periods, I was hoping that maybe the Jets would be better in the third. Unfortunately, it was more of the same from the second period, which is to say that Winnipeg did actually create some scoring chances in a few sequences where maybe Jack Campbell was sweating just a tiny bit, but for the most part... Winnipeg just wasn't all that effective. Toronto basically messed with Winnipeg's dump and chase system and certainly shut down a lot of the in-zone offensive opportunities that the Jets were looking for. The thing that sort of bugs me about the Jets is that when they finally let their defenders activate, it's never the guys that you want to see dropping below the faceoff circles. And it's always guys who really struggle to handle the puck or create offensive opportunities, and it's often in late game situations rather than just letting them do their thing at the start. In games like this against Toronto, you really have to apply the offensive pressure as soon as you get the puck, really, because Toronto is one of those teams that does actually cave under a lot of sustained pressure. This isn't a Leaf squad that's really invulnerable on defense. In fact, if you start to apply the right kind of movement and pressure, they really struggle. Lots of rapid puck movement, lots of speedy counters, all that sort of stuff really pushes Toronto to the limit. But unfortunately, the Jets just didn't really give them enough. Winnipeg really wasn't all that dangerous and I felt like this was one of those games where Toronto just didn't have to do much. They basically needed to avoid tripping over themselves and they were more or less assured of the win. The uh, The Jets ended up not scoring again so of course the game ended 3-1 and I think there are a couple of very big takeaways. The first is that this team just needs to bite the bullet and put Vili Heinola in as soon as possible. Forget having him practice and train with the team. I get that you want to develop your prospects slowly, but let's be honest. Heinle probably improves this team immediately. With the lack of puck-moving ability and IQ on the back end, it's all kind of come down to Neil Pionk having to really go beast mode alongside, uh, you know, Dylan DeMello on the third pairing, but... Dylan DeMello isn't playing enough to really make that much of a difference and Pionk is almost playing way too much because he really is ideally a second pairing guy, but oftentimes he's used as like a first pairing guy. While I think that is Winnipeg's current best option, I really want to see Heinela and or Samberg get a call up and be introduced to this lineup. Winnipeg as is has struggled to create a lot of opportunities from the lack of mobile puck moving support on the back end and that's that's been a trend for the past couple of years now. It's even worse now that the lineup really doesn't have the sort of talent to facilitate this, but I think if you if you put in like a Heinela or something, the Jets are immediately going to see some sort of improvement. I can't say it's going to be like a massive improvement. I don't think it's fair to really put those sorts of expectations on Vili's shoulders. But, you know, we've seen Vili basically boss Team Finland's back end for the World Juniors. And I really feel like his ability to do that at the AHL level has also been very prevalent. Let him try it again at the NHL level. We know that his sample size so far, it's it's not like amazing, but we certainly see the traits and skills and the IQ of a kid who's probably ready for NHL minutes. You know, Logan Stanley can only do so much in the third pairing role, and I don't really want to expose him to second pairing or above minutes. I think if you start to give Logan much harder assignments, he is going to struggle a lot. He had a moment tonight where he basically did the splits and got completely turned out by, I, I don't even remember who it was, might have been Marner or Matthews, but either way, just not a really good look. And it sort of highlights one of the biggest weaknesses with Stanley is that he's just not that mobile. You know, in possession of the puck, he is, you know, fairly fast and fleet of foot for his size— but when it comes to defensive mobility, that's something where he does struggle. And that's okay in third-pairing minutes. You know, if you have a guy who is maybe not super fast, but he is big, physical, and he can actually contribute offensively, you can use that in a sheltered role. The problem is the Jets' left defensive side is such a mess that you don't really have much of an option. You do have to probably give Stanley a few more minutes, or you maybe insert Vili Hainala into one of those spots. Lord knows Josh Morrissey and Tucker Pullman are definitely way in over their heads right now. Give uh, uh, one of the young Finns like a chance to make an impact on this team. Heinola seems like he's NHL ready, and I don't really feel like him sitting on the taxi squad is doing him all that much good. Instead of trying to seek external help where you pay a lot of assets for a guy who's going to be around for maybe a year and a half, maybe instead use some of your internal assets and check out what you've got sitting on your taxi squad or the bench. The Jets have genuine pieces to make some kind of noise. I don't know how much of an impact they'll have in the playoffs, but they've got a great goaltender in Connor Hellebuck. They've got a pretty dangerous offense. They just need the blue line support to back it all up, and they may be able to help themselves if they stop playing some of these guys who are really struggling and maybe introduce somebody who's really hungry to make a mark. As they say, free Heinle up. I'm sure all of this will fall on deaf ears as far as the Jets org is concerned. They seem to be pretty hell-bent on their current plan, which is whatever, you know. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on what you think the Jets should do. Maybe you think I'm totally out of line and absolutely crazy with the things I'm saying, or maybe you agree or you have like an entirely different suggestion. Let me know at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. That will wrap up tonight's episode, though. Before you log off, be sure to check out Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Be a waiver wire winner with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Expert Scott Cullen gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long Dynasty and DFS leagues. Follow the Locked On Fantasy Hockey podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite shows. And as always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!